the Augustin Hosinga show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. Welcome back to the Agostino Zynga Show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga, and this is episode number 695. That's 695 of the Agostino Zynga Show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga, and I hope you're feeling good wherever you are. I hope you're feeling iry. How am I? All good, all things considered. All good, all things considered. I cannot complain. Life is good. Life is amazing. And I'm happy to be here with you today in any capacity that I am. Whether you're watching me through the power of YouTube. Whether you're listening to me via the various podcast apps out there. I appreciate you for giving me a sliver. A sliver of your precious time. Because I know it is all so valuable in this crazy crazy world that we live in today how have i been pretty well all things considered i cannot deny i'm still thinking and debating whether or not i should go out today um there's a heron sauna party happening there's a couple of um undergroundy type of parties happening in what's that place called Somewhere in North London, I forgot the flipping name of it, where all the flipping warehouses are and all the trendy cool kids go. So that's pretty cool to see. But in, in genuality, I'm actually thinking, because I got in touch with or somebody actually replied back to me and let me know about these little underground parties that are going on. And I kind of got the impression from a few of the responses that a lot of this stuff is like on a needs-to-know basis. It's not essentially underground, but they don't want every Tom, Dick and Harry to kind of go in there, which just makes a lot of sense because a lot of these parties I'm talking about, they're mostly in like what I'll describe as like converted warehouses where they've been turned into, um, what they call them? They call them property guardianships. I'm not too sure if they're still running, but I remember when I was going out a lot to warehouse parties, we had this thing in London because there's a real lack of flipping affordable housing. Um, there was a little gap in the market and people came in with this idea of property guardianship, which essentially was um, people getting a hold of buildings that were due to get knocked down or due to get renovated or something. And in between that interim time of them maybe, you know, selling a property and then starting work on the remodeling or rebuilding of the flipping property or house or whatever it may be, they would have people stay there as quote-unquote living kind of security guardians or whatever maybe and with that you get the ability to stay in these amazing spaces very unique for a fraction of the cost of what you would pay for regular rent like i do in like a regular flat or apartment in london so that whole scene was really cool because essentially you got to live in really cool spaces like i remember a, a couple of friends of mine lived in these um uh, these uh what do you call it these shut down old people's homes so i think it was somewhere in like south london and obviously most of these places are like all like um they're all on one level there's no stairs or anything i think it's called like a maze in it i think the the term of that building 
and and they were all kind of very spacious, really high, do really high ceilings, um, big doors, big windows. So you got to, and you know, and usually the acoustics, oddly enough, maybe because the installation was really good in them. So you got to do a lot of interesting parties in these spaces because they were very, you know, unique in terms of you don't always, you know, get to have a time to rave inside of an old people's home. And sometimes if you wanted to pay cheap rent, you also got a chance to live in some really big spaces that kind of afforded you the ability to kind of, you know, do extra or more creative things on the side while only paying a fraction of the cost of your monies and whatnot. Or maybe if you just didn't earn a lot of money, you got a chance to kind of live on your own or maybe live in a community of people, blah, 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 blah. But it kind of birthed this whole little underground rave scene in London. Really, really cool little late rave scene. And a lot of it was really kind of like hand to hand. So a lot of people were like just basically, you know, after hours because everybody in the flipping building or in that space. I remember one time there was a group of friends I remember that I knew who lived in like a skyscraper. There was like a skyscraper that was getting like basically demolished and they were basically allowed to stay there um, until the time it came for them to knock it down. And essentially it was what I describing you a fucking skyscraper you know living in different floors and some of them had like entire floors to themselves like crazy big spaces they just could do whatever so you got a chance to essentially throw these really cool raves and really cool parties and you got to live in just mad mad locations um whatever it may be but obviously you, you had to move around a lot that's the only problem sometimes you got to stay in a place for like two months another time it could be two years it just really depended but all the parties were really hand to hand so you had to kind of be in the know which by default kind of breeded this kind of a little bit of a snobbish, you know what I mean? If you're not in the know, you're not in the know kind of vibe, a little bit annoying because essentially the parties weren't that great, really. Like, let's be honest. Like, unless there was a good community down there, you essentially were in like a, you know, uh, a version of a house party, really. And house parties are only usually, in my opinion, house parties are only as good as the people going or as the community that's in them. Because I've been to a house party where somebody's like, you know, booked a fucking DJ and the whole sound system has been terrible. And I've been to a house party where somebody's literally playing the songs off their fucking phone on a fucking RCA or something, right? And it's fucking popping. So clearly, it's not about that. It's all about the people that are in there. So sometimes you go to these warehouse parties and they're dead. Sometimes they're good. But I did like that they gave the ability to people to go to things that weren't too commercial. So if you're not on going to clubs and you don't want to see the same old DJs and you want to, you know, dance drink take your drugs in peace and just feel safe quote unquote around people that are just like you you get a chance to go to these fucking raves um but of course um to keep it that way you have to kind of keep it a bit close to your chest so as much as it kind of made me look at the message like why well, one for you like why aren't you telling me about this thing and i kind of understood and i fought back to the time when i was doing i was like you know what i get the reservation and the kind of resistance and interpretation not to say nothing especially with me you know i have a fucking you know podcast and shit so the last thing you want to do is tell me about an underground party because as much as i love to go to them and i talk about them i can understand from the other side of things because i have a quote-unquote platform some people be like oh no you're gonna bay up which is understandable so don't tell me about these side of things but I would obviously like to go, but I also understand it kind of is a thing where you just kind of have to be in the mood because it usually is far and away from the things that you're near to or my, my home mostly. Um, it's a bit long to get back and there's a real toss up in terms of the quality of music. Sometimes you've been there and, you know, underground DJs are underground DJs. Everyone needs to have a chance to kind of get to be famous. But sometimes these underground guys and girls can be fucking shit. 
like fucking terrible. Like, it's a reason why you're underground. It's a reason why your SoundCloud gets like ten plays. Like, you are garbage. So sometimes you could go there. It could be fun and shit. You could donate some money in the fucking bank. You could bring some drinks, be a good time and whatnot. But the music can be fucking horrendous. And you know, I'm all about the musicy. If you know nothing about me, you know what I mean. That's what my vibes are on. So if I'm not having a good time with the musicy, me not gonna goy. You feel me? So maybe that's what I'm probably gonna do. Probably end up gonna chilling and whatnot. Because I'm thinking, do I really want to go to E1? Because Heron Sword is happening in E1 tonight in London, which I'm kind of hyped to go to. But Heron Sword is kind of getting a bit bait. It's kind of getting a bit commercial, it feels like. It's sort of turning into like a traveling party type of vibe. And for the most part, I'm going to see people there that I probably won't like in terms of, you know, their overall attitude and how they go out and shit. That whole harness and latex and fishnet crowd. I think they're cool because they wear those things. It's fucking annoying. You know, but it is, it's, it's kind of their thing. So should I go and subject myself to it and get pissed off and then come back home angry? Or should I chill and just wait for another time? I don't know. Let's see what I'll go on. I'll kind of play it by ear. But that's basically my plans as of today. Um, that is my plans. So long for that. Let's just rock into the show. I randomly saw this pop up on my flipping um Twitter and I wanted to speak about it. It's clear because I think this strikes right at the core of me because I've been through similar, but then I kind of got over it very quickly because I realized it was a dumb way of thinking. So this is courtesy of the Daily Mail and it says shirtless Harry Styles enjoys a boat ride with his Victoria's Secrets pal and lingerie model um, Jacqueline Jablowski and his best friend James Corden. I find it interesting that somebody as cool and safe as fucking Harry Styles is going to be BFFs with someone like a James Corden. It goes to show, really, that you can never take... Um, you always have to kind of have your own experience with people. You can never take somebody's recommendation of how someone is cool or not cool as a representation of who they are. Because I've said that in this podcast plenty of times. I've actually met Harry Styles once in the past, and I used to go to this club called The Alibi in, you know, in London that was fucking amazing, this little basement bar place. And it was a really cool place to hang out and stuff. And I met a lot of cool people, did some cool parties there, had some cool experiences. And I bumped into him there when he was, I think, going solo, right? And he was in there on his own, just chatting up girls, hanging out, drinking, having a good time. And he legitimately was eager to shake everybody's hand, meet, coach, be okay, right? He was a cool dude. I fucking loved it. I loved that vibe about him. And the fact that he was kind of just regular. And um, I think after that, when he kind of became a little bit more famous, that was the one thing that I kind of heard on the grapevine, that Harry Styles is generally just a cool and chill dude. But obviously, we've known everything about flipping Harry's, you know, James Corden and the stories about him going to that restaurant and being a bit of a cunt. And, you know, most people, myself included, would say a good barometer of somebody's ability to be a cunt is how they treat wait staff, is how they treat sales assistants, how they treat waitresses, how they treat receptionists, um, door guys and stuff. It's a really good indication of the levels of cunts of someone that are. So in my opinion, I think the story we heard about James Corden, unfortunately, it kind of proves that he probably is a bit of a cunt. And then when you went on that, I think around that same time that that stuff was happening, there was threads, I think, on Reddit or I think on Twitter where people were basically sharing stories about meeting him in real life. And again, you can take that stuff with a pinch of salt because some of it may be trolling, some of it may be lies. But I do remember a lot of the accounts basically saying, yeah, he's a bit of a dickhead. So it's it's funny when that happens. Somebody that genuinely a lot of people have a lot of time for, hanging out a person that some, generally a lot of people don't like, but because they're both kind of famous and got a name, you know, you kind of have to bite your tongue, not say what you really feel. It's a weird place to be in. 
to be honest. Because I'm sure a lot of Harry Styles friends will be like, hey, how the fuck are you friends with James Corden? Or they particularly just won't like James kind of thing, but he's obviously liking him for whatever reason. So whatever. Um, and I'm sure James is probably one of those people, Corden, who kind of um, calibrates his behavior and personality based on who's around, which I abhor. I hate people who like are only cool to you if they know you are somebody that can help them or somebody of influence or somebody famous. I hate that shit where you see them kind of, you know, they treat you like shit because they think like you don't, you're not anybody. Then as soon as somebody that somebody comes in, all of a sudden they've got a smile on their face. They're all happy, go lucky and shit. You're like, you know, bro, I hope you dance in fucking traffic one day. Anyway, all that to say, there's this picture actually of James Corden, the picture of Harry Styles there looking shirtless and looking absolutely ripped and shit, right? Looking in good shape, being on tour all, all, all this time and running all the time. Obviously, he's putting him in good nick, so big up Harry Styles for looking good. Then there's a picture of James Corden looking like a fat blob that he is on the boat with a black t-shirt on. Now, that made me think about this. When I was at my fattest, right, one thing that you generally tend to do, which is, is a strange thing to kind of get in your head as a fat dude, is that sometimes when you're in a beach or when you go to a swimming pool, you sometimes think putting on a t-shirt, having on a black t-shirt especially, is somehow shielding you away from the prying eyes of people seeing how fucking fat you are. When in actuality, you're actually making it more obvious that you're fat. You're actually making it more obvious that you're uncomfortable in your own skin. When in actuality, if you go to like Mediterranean countries for real, you got to mentor. This is something I've I realized when I went to Mediterranean countries or just places in Europe overall outside of maybe Britain. I feel like people here are a bit more body conscious shit, and we're maybe a, we have a puritanical Catholic sort of like vibe here, where people just are a bit uncomfortable with everything, right? Nudity, vulgarity, drug use, whatever. It's just odd country to live in. But I feel like when you go to Mediterranean countries, what you realize when you go to the beaches in places like France, Italy, Spain and shit, you see a lot of people of varying body sizes just fucking starkers. Absolutely. Sometimes naked, completely naked, enjoying the fucking weather, soaking in the fucking rays, going in the water for a dip and a refreshment and whatever it may be, right? And they're living their best life. And nobody gives a fuck. Nobody bats an eyelid, especially the nude kind of beaches, quote unquote. Nobody's staring. Nobody's, everyone's just kind of letting everybody do what they're doing. And I feel like for whatever reason, with some other guys, especially when they're fat, they have this idea that putting on a black t-shirt or any t-shirt when you're on a beach or on that pool is kind of giving you an invisibility cloak. When in actuality, it makes you look fatter. That's the real sad part of it. And if anything, going to a beach usually, when I was at my fattest, would be the time when I'd kind of get inspired and motivated to kind of lose some weight and start working out. Because I'd be like, okay, cool, I don't want to feel this odd again. I don't want to feel this uncomfortable. But... This also goes to my normal kind of adage that I've always kind of ascribed by because I've kind of gone through the varying scales. I've gone from weighing 280 pounds to weighing 180 pounds, right? A big 100 fucking pound swing. And I know for me personally, especially somebody that's been into clothes, that I can honestly say, especially somebody that, you know, I've bought everything from like designer clothes to fucking stuff in Primark. I honestly do think most men, most men specifically, their entire lives and wardrobes will be dramatically changed if they can lose between 20 to 50 pounds. 20 to 50 pounds of weight loss will improve your overall posture, your confidence, your vibe, um, you know, the, the aura that you fucking emit, just the way you carry yourself and the options that you have to wear clothes in terms of style than anything else. 
They'll improve your life way more than wearing a baggy t-shirt, way more than wearing a black t-shirt, way more than wearing baggy clothes, way more than anything else would be just losing 20 to 50 pounds. You wouldn't do this because even this picture, it just screams insecurity. You got the black t-shirt, you got his hands across his fucking chest and shit and his stomach like this guy is not comfortable in the slightest. And it makes sense because you're out on the beach in a boat somewhere with your fucking celebrity friends and you're hanging around this dude right you peer you go around this way you look look to your right and you got fucking harry styles right there like in full fucking topless you know fucking wonderment right with his fucking dick root showing the perfect placement of these little hipster tattoos nice and tanned right looking marvelous and then next to him he's got some fucking bare bottom right very caucasian victoria secrets model who looks like you know, she fucking stepped off of a fucking Olympics fucking podium somewhere. So if you're James Corden, I can completely understand looking at that thinking, fucking hell, I need to cover up, mate. Where's the black t-shirts at? You know, I could completely get it. But actually, the real strength and confidence, in my opinion, regardless of how big or fat you are, small or skinny, is actually being comfortable in your skin and letting it be. You would be hard pressed to find me at my fattest. I don't give a fuck right if i paid my hard-earned money to go on holiday somewhere sunny right to fucking hire a boat somewhere to pay 500 euros for a bottle of fucking vodka right to be fed 50 dollar fucking overpriced burgers right to be giving everybody tips everywhere you'd be you you got me fucked up if you think i'm gonna go on holiday and wear a t-shirt because i've got man boobs or because my love handles are sticking out or because my belly's too big nah man embrace that shit take off your t-shirt have some fun because honestly i guarantee you most people don't care what most people see when they go to the beach is somebody's fat oh that person's fat in the head you just continue it's like an observation you suck seeing somebody on the bike oh there's somebody on the bike you don't think about it any anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't cross your mind anymore. But the thing that sticks in your brain way more is that person that's got a t-shirt on or wearing trousers in a fucking pool or something. You're like, what the fuck is that person doing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, no one honestly cares. I guarantee you, nobody fucking cares. So if you're fat out there and you're out somewhere on a beach and you've paid your money, you paid your flight, you've gone through that knowing process of having to exchange fucking DLs and go pick up your fucking keys from the Airbnb host, you figured out where to go, you've brought all your gear with you, the thing that you could do to give yourself the maximum benefit, bang for your bucket holiday, take off your t-shirt, let your fucking body be what it is, it is what it is, that's the body you've been given by the gods, by the universe, enjoy it, live with it, if you want to work with it and you want to strip off some of that fat, cool, no problem, but you're doing yourself a real disservice by going to these places and putting on a black t-shirt thinking you've got an invisibility cloak on when actually you've got a fucking massive beacon on your head. Wham, wham, fat shit, fat shit, fat shit, shy, shy, insecure, fat shit, fat shit. That's what's actually going on. That's what's actually going on. You have to just, if when you embrace it, everyone's like, oh, there's that cool guy. There's that guy having a good time. There's that guy who's just confident. That's what actually happens. But, you know, again, what do I know? What do I bloody know? I don't know jack shit, but big up Harry Styles regardless. He's a G. Like, I'm one of those people, like, I don't like meeting my heroes. I don't like meeting celebrities. I don't like meeting anybody. I just kind of keep myself to myself, as you can see, via this fucking illustrious pod, right? 600 plus episodes in. I'm just here ranting into the fucking universe, right? <laughs> Whatever. So clearly, I'm not that guy, right? That's going to be doing that. And it, when I have done it, it's gone fucking disastrously wrong. And I'll be like, fuck, man, never doing that again. So, when I do meet people who are somewhat famous, right, and they're nice, you know what it does to me? 
it makes me a fan of yours for life. Like, honestly, Harry Styles could drop the hard nigger with a hard R, right? He could be on stage going, nigger, 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 nigger. And I won't give a fuck. He's my boy forever. Because he gave me the courtesy of a 30-second conversation in, like, 2010, right? <laughs> in 2010, he gave me a courtesy of a 30-second conversation. And I fucking remember that forever. He's my boy because of that. That's all it takes. That's the funny thing about it. These celebrities that they don't understand. All it takes for you to actually get a fan for life is just that brief interaction where you actually make somebody feel like they've been seen. Like, you just, hey, well, go on, man. What's up? Hey, man, f f thanks for support. Because honestly, that's all he did. And I left him to kind of, you know, because Harry at that time, when I saw him at that bar, he was surrounded. I've never seen a guy be surrounded by women. I don't know if that's the thing that you've seen out when you've been out, guys. And maybe you go out to cooler places than I do. I've never seen a man, a boy be surrounded by fucking women it was almost like mesmerizing to see that like wow that's what it's like to be like good looking and to be insanely fucking famous he was just like surrounded by them and they were all fighting for his attention and he was just being so charming and a gentleman showing everyone a good time getting shots for everybody i was like god damn it and here i come um hello harry Harry, it's me, Agostino. Okay, man. With my little fucking Supreme t-shirt on. Hello. Um, so I I DJ here too sometimes. And um, I just wanted to say um, I, I'm a big fan. He's like, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, thanks for love. Like, that was it. He said like five words to me in total. Five words. Five words. And I'm a fan of fucking Harry Styles for life. He can say nigger with a hard R and I'm going to fucking back that boy. I'm going to fucking ride for him. I'm going to say free Harry Styles. That's my guy. You know what I mean? That's all it takes. That's all it takes to be my guy. Just say, just be okay. Don't be like fucking, what's her name? Don't be like, oh no, actually don't be okay. Don't be like, uh, what's yeah, that's her name. The DJ, fucking Juliana Huxtable. I, I went to Bergheim. I was there, sorry, the best. I was in Bergheim. I went to fucking Panorama Bar. She had, I think she just finished playing. I don't know where, where she was playing. Panorama Bar, Bergheim, don't, don't mistake me. But I remember I went there and she was on a dance floor with her friends dancing. And I had a good time. I enjoyed the set. I, I might have been a bit drunk. I might have been a bit high. Who knows what was going on? And I just saw her. I was like, oh my God, man, that's good. So I just went like in my eager, happy, like, oh my God, euphoric sort of smile. Like, oh, I love your set. And I kind of reached out to say, oh my God, love your set. Put my hand out this to shake her hand. And when she turned around and looked at me, it was almost as if, like, she saw, like, it's almost as if she saw, like, the guy that stole her bike when she was, like, 10, right? Or, <laughs> or, um, or some guy at work she always thought was annoying. You know that kind of contempt, like, ugh. Like, not even, like, like, scare, like, fear. Just more so, like, like, and I, and I didn't even, I didn't even touch her. I just... I just like put my hand out saying like, hey, Jeremy, like, what's up, man? And Gina Huxable looked at me as if like I was literally chewing up on the bottom of her shoe. And I was like, oh, yeah, thank you. Like, it was a bit like, oh, thanks, sir. You know, when you know someone says thanks, you know, someone talks to you like with their teeth clenched. Oh, thank you. I was like, oh, my God. I just like literally kind of moonwalk back. Like, so, you know, that, 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 that film scene of fucking Homer, um, Homer Simpson walking back into the bush right as i leaned back i was like oh my god how embarrassing and again that was the same time of interaction probably no more than like 30 seconds 40 seconds and i instantly was like shit that's not a person you should probably meet in real life you should probably like keep that relationship or keep that sorry keep that admiration 
of that fucking DJ to like double tapping the mixes or whatever it may be. That's all you meant to do. Because that during Huxleboy interaction, and again, this is what I've always said about DJs I find really interesting, right? Harry Styles is like way big of a celebrity or famous, you know, regarded like, to, especially with normies and Julian Huxleboy's, right? This is a very niche person in a very niche scene. It's like a scene within a scene within a scene. But obviously very popular within a scene. But I've always, it's always perplexed me why, for some reason, right, the more niche the DJ is, the more fucking <laughs> against they are, like that communication, they don't want to talk to you, you know what I mean? It's a bit of a, I won't say rudeness, but it's a bit of an affront there. Whereas Harry Styles probably gets annoyed Harry Styles probably gets bothered like a hundred times a day and I'm sure there are some times where he comes off a bit of a cunt but for the majority of the time he's always like you'll take a picture you'll say hi he'll make you feel seen you'll take your shitty fucking card you made from him bin it later but whatever there'll be that kind of you'll feel like seen in that kind of interaction whereas these DJs you see them and they like they look at you as if like how dare you how dare you speak to me who are you and you're like, bruh, like, I came here to hear you fucking play. I'm a fucking fan. The fact that I even know who you are should be enough indication that, yeah, I don't know, whatever. Long live Harry Styles. Harry Styles forever. No one's ever going to say anything bad about Harry Styles to me. And like I said, if Harry Styles decides to, you know, to drop a big old hard R, I'm here to defend him. Don't give a flying fuck. I'm here to defend my boy because Harry Styles is a fucking G. Moving on from that one, moving on from that one, let's say this. So, uh, what are people saying in the chat here? Blah, blah, blah. Dan Dutton says, damn, upsetting to hear about you and Huxleboys like that. Again, I don't want to, I don't want to put any like false fucking narratives out there. That could just be a, like, I'm very aware that I cannot control how I come across. In my head, I might have come across like, oh, I was just saying hi. I was just excited to see her. But in her head, she could have just seen a fucking monster, right? Here's this six-foot black dude sweating, <laughs> right? Jaw swinging, pixels dilated, just ah, coming at her. I can understand how, on her point of view, maybe it didn't come across how I'm saying in my head. So don't view it as like an, in, you know, it's not an, it's not an indictment of her as a person. It's just in that situation, I was like, in that scenario, sorry, I was like, oh my God. I feel like, I felt like so tiny. You know what I mean? I was like, shit, man. I knew I shouldn't, because I doubted actually going across to her, but I was just in the vibe of like, oh my God, I enjoyed that set. That was so cool. The DJ that I saw play was right here. I went over and just like put my hand out and it just like, it was not reciprocated. And I was like, damn it, man. But anyway, you know, these things happen. What can you do? Um, moving on from that one. Let's talk about this a little bit. So, this is courtesy of Grazia. It's regarding um, Kylie Jenner. Now, personally for me, personally for me, I don't understand this. I said it before on Twitter earlier, but I don't get this, right? Because this headline is courtesy of Grazia. The headline is as follows. Kylie Jenner is being dragged for saying she never had plastic surgery, but that's not the full story. So this is courtesy of Grazia, and it says, on the latest episode of Keeping Up with Kardashians, or The Kardashians, sorry, now it's called, Kylie opened up about um, only having had filler on her face, no other plastic surgery, with the rest of her appearance being changes all down to makeup tricks. It comes after many fans have commented on how different her face looked over the years. She says, one of the biggest misconceptions about me is that I was like this insecure child and I got so much surgery to change my whole face, which is false, Kylie said. I've gotten fillers and I feel like I don't want that to be part of my story. I'll always have... So I always want everyone to just love themselves. So, interesting narrative. 
me myself, right? I cannot understand why this stuff happens so often. And this is mainly because I've only got like a brief education on like the whole plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery shit because I've been more plugged into Twitter. On Twitter specifically, I feel like there's a big community of like girls and women on there who share a lot of like, you know, pictures of like of people that got, you know, that work done, uh, post up and whatnot. Um, there's accounts that feature people that have got stuff done and shit. It feels like it's a bit more of an open discussion-y sort of like vibe over on Twitter in terms of like cosmetic surgery. So I've gotten a lot more educated on the whole scene and seen what it's about. And I follow some accounts so I get to see what's going on. I'd love to read the replies and see what people are saying. And mostly from the thing I've been seeing, a lot of women or people that are plugged into the scene calling out certain people. <coughs> but one thing I've noticed for the most part is that I think the majority of the audience that knows about plastic surgery can tell who has what just by looking at them. It's just something that you know. I guess it's something like, I guess it's like a, a guy being into football can just tell how a team is playing, right? What kind of style of play they have because you just watch the game so much, right? So I think a lot of these women just know. So my question is, why do some women persist on lying about the work that they get done when most hetero cis guys like myself who didn't know before don't give a shit or don't can't tell and the people that they're trying to fucking fool at like the women all know or the women and the gays let's say right? as a lack of a better term lack of a better kind of way to kind of characterize them like the women and the gays all know what you got the cisgendered men who maybe want to fuck you or be in a relationship with you they don't even know or care so why lie it's so bizarre i don't understand the reason to lie and I think the only other option of not lying is just to keep it yourself. You don't need to tell anybody anything, right? They can think whatever they want to think about your appearance and how you look and what work you got done, but you don't need to tell them. You know, that's the one thing I don't understand. Why are you telling people what work that you've got done? And then if you're going to tell them, then why lie? Because most people that know, know. You know, that's the thing I don't understand with this issue. Because I think with the Kylie Jenner stuff, I understand with her because the whole meme with Kylie was that they would have that fucking comparison, which I think is a bit unfair. It was like a comparison picture of her when she's like Harold. Oh, what's that? Oops, that thing? Sorry. Yo, big up thingamajig. Oh, who's that? By the way, sorry, my brief. Oh, big up Austin Casey. Yes. Oh, my God. Sorry, my friend Austin Casey. One minute. I completely forgot about you, brother. Um, Let me give you again. Where are you? I think you're on my list somewhere here. Big up, oh yeah, big up Austin Casey. I'm going to replay Mitch actually. Thank you so much. Here you go. Hopefully it works. Yo, big up um, Austin Casey. I do appreciate you, my brother. Thank you for the donation. You do have to send me so much, my friend. But I really do appreciate you sending it regardless. But, you know, please, if you can, you know, support your fucking family and friends first then that would be greatly appreciated but you know i do appreciate you for that what i do for my birthday nothing much brother like honestly i've never been the big birthday guy never ever 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 um i usually just don't do anything and it's a bit sad don't get me wrong it's a bit sad why because i think in general my overall kind of lack of friends kind of prevents me from doing a party like a birthday thing a celebration i don't really like hanging around with people i tend to kind of keep myself to myself and i generally have this opinion that birthdays are a bit a little bit embarrassing after like the age of 25 or something you know like 
going out and celebrating it and having a fucking sticker and a balloon and shit, especially with your age. Like, I don't know. I have, I have this thing, like, I don't care about social media that much, but I think if I did care about social media that much in terms of, like, who I follow, who I unfollow, like, I don't give a fuck about this. I don't check it. I don't care, right? But if I did, I'd be the kind of person who would say, if I see you post on my feed, if, I, if you come up on my feed with birthday balloons like numbers i'm gonna unfollow you that's what i should be like but i'm not gonna be that guy because i don't really give a fuck and i think people that check that sort of stuff are fucking lame but i feel like if i was that person i would say as a rule if i see you come up on my feed with your numbers in balloons celebrating your birthday i'm gonna fucking unfollow you if i go on your stories and i see you fucking resharing every single fucking story that people keep sharing of you of saying happy birthday to you, especially if every account is fucking verified to show off who you know, I'm going to fucking unfollow you. Now, I don't care about social media that way. I don't check it. I don't see who's unfollowed me. I don't see who follows me. I don't see who block. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck because I don't spend too much time on it like that. You right? But if I did, if I did, I'd fucking unfollow you every time I see you repost every shout out you get on fucking on, on Twitter, on fucking Instagram, and I'd fucking unfollow you if you fucking shared birthday balloons i swear to god i think over the age of 25 the most any man should do again i'm not speaking about the ladies out there because that's different right and i can't speak for the ladies because i'm not one as much as i would like to be one i'm not one right but for the fellas out there i think a respectable way to celebrate your birthday is to get yourself a nice strong drink whether you like to drink alcohol or not a nice meal somewhere and kind of thank god for another year that's it. That's it. And it doesn't need to be posted anywhere. It doesn't need to be a fucking big affair on social. Like, no. It just needs to be you, maybe a select group of friends, or with your family, or on your own. Go, go and treat yourself. Put on a nice outfit. Get a nice drink. Have a nice meal. Right? Take a long walk back to the car, or get a cab somewhere, and go home. But all this fucking party, party. Ay, 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 my birthday. Ay, be nice to me. Bruh, you're 29. You're 37. Grow up. You know what I mean? You don't, like, what more do you want? You want to go to fucking Burger King and get a little crown? Do you want to go to fucking McDonald's and have a little party there? Like, grow up after 25. Grow up. It's not a birthday party. Celebrate for having another year on this fucking spinning ball that we're on. Get yourself a nice drink. Have a nice meal. A nice steak somewhere. Whatever it may be. But no more than that. Please, for the love of God. Please, no more. You're a fucking grown-up. Over the age of 25, you should not be celebrating your birthday. Not in the birthday party, big sticker, big badge, numbers and balloons, walking down the street. Because I see some I see some people, right? When they go on a birthday, when it's their birthday, they're like, um, what's that NBA, NBA Youngboy song that everyone quotes? Oh, yeah. There's a parade in my city, yeah. Well, some people have a birthday, it's like that. It's a parade in their city. They're literally walking down the street at the front of their friendship group. And you can tell it's their birthday because they've got the fucking badge on. They've got the numbers. But they're at the front. It's like a fucking carnival. Everybody's fucking behind them, dancing. Your birthday, your birthday, like giving them all this positive affirmation, licking their ass and shit. It's like, bruh, you're 37. You're 45. You have children. Imagine if you've got kids, right? Just imagine how embarrassing this is. Imagine you have actual kids and you're celebrating your own birthday. 
You're probably spending more money on your birthday than your kids. Imagine how embarrassed you must feel on that one. Imagine that, for instance. You've got children and you're celebrating your birthday more than you're celebrating the ones with your kids. That's when you have to take a look, look in the mirror. Okay? Anyway, that's my TED Talk. Um, going back to fucking Kylie Jenner. I understand her persistence to correct the record because I feel like I feel like the comparison pictures people put out there of her are a bit unfair. The ones that they take of her where she's got really thin lips and she looks really young. I think she's basically a teenager. And then, of course, you know, women, you know, everyone matures and develops differently. So I'm sure over time, especially with the tricks and makeup, you see what people do at fucking on fucking RuPaul's Drag Race. You can legitimately change the whole structure of your face, you know, if you're really good with makeup and shit. And with little fucking tricks here and there and tapes and whatnot. So I'm sure that played a part in it. But don't insult our intelligence by saying that you've never got work done or never had plastic surgery or be, or do the whole semantics thing because she's kind of doing some semantics here, right? In terms of plastic surgery isn't the same as fillers, that kind of vibe. But I just don't get it personally. I think it's really ridiculous. I don't understand why women out there feel the need to consistently lie about their work. It makes no sense when other women and the gays in that community who keep abreast of all this sort of shit, they can tell it straight away. They all know. And I read the comments. I go through the comments and see what people are saying. And for the most part, I think 99% of women out there can tell when other women have work. It's just something they all just pick up. But if they have an interest in like beauty and makeup and shit, they can just tell. So who are you lying to? Because guys like myself don't give a fuck. So the ones that you're trying to trick all know. So who are you lying to? I don't get it. So if you, so in my opinion, don't lie. Just keep it yourself and keep it moving. Like Naomi Campbell. Naomi Campbell, the model, has got like two kids. She's never explained where those kids came from, right? Like what the deal is. We don't know because none of our business. That's how you're meant to move. You just move the way you move. You live your life the way you live your life. People have questions that they come up to you in person and ask the question. And we all know how Naomi Campbell moves. If you ask too many questions, if you be a bit mouthy, you're going to get a fucking phone to your face. You know what I mean? So that's how you should be moving. Just keep it to yourself. No one gives a shit. But again, Kylie Jenner supremacy. Here we go. Moving on from that one, and not to kind of, you know, be a guy on here ribbing the women, it's funny because I feel like women lying about plastic surgery or saying, you know, the common excuse like, oh, I only got my tits done, right, when you got all this work done, is very, very equivalent, is very equivalent, very equivalent, right, to this lie. This is a guy lie. Post Malone gets brutally trolled for claiming he's never done hard drugs. <laughs> yeah this legitimately made me laugh when i saw it on social media this guy went an interview with zane low and basically said he's never actually done any hard drugs that for me is the equivalent of women who lie about the work they got done that's the male equivalent of it like come on bro bro come on you've never done hard drugs really again it's none of our business i don't give a fuck do what you want live your life but really really come on posty i love you posty i'm a big fan of fucking austin i love the guy the new album's fucking banging. But really? No hard drugs? Never? You sure, brother? Are you sure? Are you fucking sure? Come on, bruh. This guy, man. I'm looking, I don't know. I don't know. I don't fucking get it. Anyway, let's read the article. He says, uh, da, 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 da. it's down here. Yeah, there you go. He means, yeah. First off, I shouldn't have to really just justify myself um, to anyone but I appreciate the concerns that people, um, but then it just goes, it goes from like, hey, hope he's fine, 
But then the rumour starts that I'm doing hard drugs, which I've never done in my entire life. But now if I do drink, I'm not doing it at a show or recording. And yeah, that's another. I have a very hard time expressing myself here recording if I'm not a little bit fucked up. So he's basically trying to say all the times that we've seen him outside and about doing his thing, it's only, 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 only been. Exactly. Yeah. Case of Moses. Define hard drugs. Exactly. It's only ever been when he's been drinking beer. That's what Post Malone's saying. Post Malone's telling us all those clips we've seen of him, you know, him being his natural self, that's only the effect of fucking um, Bud Lights and Budweiser's and shit. <laughs> okay, brother, okay. Whatever you say, bro. But again, I don't understand it. I feel like a lot of it comes from lifestyle shaming, which I've always said I think is really annoying. I feel like everybody should be a, like i don't know i'm a little bit of an extremist in this one yeah? this is a bit weird to say but i feel like everybody should be allowed to do whatever they want to do even if it's insanely destructive legit even if it's really destructive to your actual life you should be allowed to do whatever you want there should be no kind of lifestyle shaming there should be no kind of like poo-pooing or looking down on people that do certain things because i feel like this is what it kind of breeds it breeds this fucking culture or this necessity to lie to basically try and make sure people don't think that you're a druggie or that you're an alcoholic or whatever it may be it's like bro if you enjoy these things and you're a grown-up and you can somehow handle it and control it then do you boo do you not obviously i wouldn't do that to that excess but i feel like everybody especially if you're an adult you should be allowed to do what you want to do regardless of how destructive it may be crazy to say that but i feel like that's what it should be personally and i feel like we'd have left less of these fucking weird situations where people are basically trying to lie about the things that they did and didn't do i think it's fucking embarrassing personally for me but again what do i know what do i bloody know now i'm a brown asthma pump boy so big up all my guys and girls out there who are brand asthma pump um, aficionados. I am now in your gang. Unfortunately, my fucking, you know, sports related asthma and hay fever is so bad now that I now require a brown fucking inhaler. A brown inhaler. The hard steroids. The hard ones. Buddy, yo. But yeah, this is what I need now. This is what I need to stay alive. A fucking brown asthma pump. So it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of sad to be fair because, you know, I was the guy that was out there fucking fifty miles a week running and shit. Now when I'm running outside, <laughs> I swear my life. When I'm running outside, this is kind of kind of fucking dark. I honestly think to myself, is this when I'm gonna die? Am I gonna die on like <laughs> Am I gonna die at this traffic light? Am I gonna just collapse at this traffic light? <laughs> from my fucking chest caving in because i don't have my pump on me or something so i've always got that in the back of my head you know what i mean so it's like fuck man i'm thinking actually maybe that'll be a good way to go out right a better way to i, I, I don't think i want to i'd want to die fucking going side to side in the fucking techno party but i'll be i'll be okay dying like running you know what i mean running with a pair of fucking hoka hookay was it how do you pronounce it is it hoka one one i think right Hocker one fucking shoes with my little short shorts, my little vest, right? And my little headband, right? My Bluetooth headphones. I think I'll be happy dying like that. Like being spread out on the floor in my running gear, right? Oh shit, he's in really good shape, isn't he? Right? <laughs> As opposed to dying on the fucking dance floor of a fucking rave, right? Because I forgot my pump. So that's the only thing I think I'm making shit. Honestly, I swear to God. Yeah, exactly, Tashki. I'm like, yeah, exactly. This is where I'm like, am I going to go down here? Is this where they're going to put my little... Is this where they're going to put my flowers? <laughs> At this traffic light. Next to this fucking store. I'm like, shit. I know. 
Oh, uh, anyway, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Sarlok saying the party's wait. Nah, come on. Imagine the scene at a rave. Imagine my parents having to come to the fucking scene of the crime, not knowing I go to these fucking parties, turning up to this fucking abandoned warehouse somewhere. All these fucking latex and harness people, like these nice, lovely African people, are coming in, right? We're trying to fucking figure out where their son is. <laughs> and then you see me on the floor, my fucking boots cut off of me, my t shirt cut off, Rick. Like, it's just awful scene. Nah, I'd rather die, I'd rather die with my running gear. I'd rather, I'd rather die with a couple, with like a little, you know, a little Under Armour sweat, a vest top, a little Under Armour shorts on. Some running shoes, you know what I mean? I'd rather die in that kind of macabre. Honestly, that would be a, a good way to go out. So if you hear me die any other way, you know I'm pissed off. You know I'm really, really pissed. Um, so, moving on from that part, let's go to this one. So, big up my G, big up my pal, big up somebody that I've known for a very, very long time. The one, the only DJ, Chloe Robinson, um, who used to actually go by the name Barely Legal, which I'm so happy she changed it because that name was horrendous. Um, I feel like at the time when she was, you know, called Barely Legal, um, she was obviously very young, so it kind of suited her. But overall, I feel like that name probably invited the wrong type of attention. And obviously, if you want to be a little bit more of a respected artist, maybe changing it to Chloe Robinson, your actual name, which is a nice name, maybe a better way to go about it. But yeah, big up my girl, Chloe Robinson, because she said this very interesting um, little hot take over here on Twitter, which I kind of want to expand on. So the following controversial question does being absolutely stunning visually assist you as a woman in the dj scene in this current day in some ways instagram followers are much higher etc and do promoters go off these numbers in a lot of cases over music discuss now this is obviously true and i feel like it's an unfortunate part of the scene because i remember when i was doing a little no i remember kind of maybe a few months ago I did like a little comparison thing between this DJ that I used to follow who, you know, I'm not really a fan of anymore because I just kind of realized what the conversation was. Like, hold on, are you trying to sun me? Like, is this, are you trying to like tell me what to say? I was like, okay, cool. Go fuck yourself. But, which I understand, and I understand their, their point of view, her point of view, actually. So at the time, I think I remember made, making a comparison between a fat comedian and a really attractive DJ, visually, right? In terms of DJing. I think to myself, you know what? I wonder if there's some sort of correlate. Cause I remember the fat comedian basically saying, oh, um, they were interested in like kind of putting themselves out there on social media in a very kind of suggestive way, in a joke way, like always doing like half, half naked photos. I think it was Stavi actually, that's a, that's a comedian. Stavi was doing all these fucking promotions on his Instagram where he do these kind of photo shoots like, you know, in a bathtub covered in baked beans and shit, um, being semi-naked and it would always kind of be okay on Instagram. And I remember him saying, basically, he'd have conversation with models who are more conventionally attractive. And they would basically say, if they try to do the same photo shoot that he did on Instagram, they'd actually get banned for it. So he's actually quite curious to see the amount of things you could get away with as a somewhat ugly fat dude, as opposed to the things you can get away with if you're an attractive woman on social media. And I thought it was an interesting conversation to have in terms of a podcast, comparing the conventionally attractive woman to, you know, the fat kind of um comedian guy for some reason or for whatever reason which is completely understandable from the dj point of view she did not take it that way she took it very she took it kind of like as an insult because i guess it kind of brought up the whole issue of looking at her as an attractive person when you don't want to be maybe what's that word called objectified you want to be just viewed as your art 
when I'm when I think in my point of view with that thing, what I was trying to say is that we've all got eyes. We can see what we see. It's an unfortunate part of the world, but it kind of is what it is. And with DJing, you only have to see on some of the biggest platforms. Like I'm not even gonna try and check it right now because I like just kind of shooting out my ass. But I'm sure if you go on Boiler Room, if you go on Horror, if you go on fucking I don't know who else who else does DJ mixes Mix Mag and all these platforms that do DJ live streams. I get I bet if you go on all these places, most like more likely than not, the more attractive women, the more women that show skin on there, usually have higher views than other DJs on there, just because of what they look like. Because people instantly see that and want to click it, whether or not the person's good or not doesn't really matter. So it's obvious to me and to anybody that's got eyes and that's got common sense and isn't so I don't know um isn't so isn't living in a world is doesn't try to live doesn't try to kind of because i feel like you have to kind of accept the world for what it is and then try and change it but trying to force the change via your viewpoint is just a bit weird right and kind of denying the realities of it is strange so in that case i feel like that lady was kind of denying the realities of what the world was as opposed to kind of understanding what it's doing for you and then trying to work within it whatever cool own opinion so I feel like on those platforms, if you check them, for the most part, yeah, big up Eric C. Appreciate the donation, brother. You see, I'm a good sport. I let I let that play. I'm a good sport. I let that play. All right. <laughs> big up Eric C. Appreciate you. No comment on your comment, but I appreciate you nonetheless. You got your fucking shine. That's all we need to do right now. Okay. But thank you so much for. <laughs> <clears throat> But, um, yeah, what was I going to say to you? What was I gonna say? What was I... Oh, you can't need the audio. Oh, you can't need the audio. Damn it. Okay, cool. Let me just... Damn. So I have, to, I, have to, I have to replay this fucking Man City fucking shout out. Okay, cool. Let's fucking replay the Man City shout out. Oh, it's not replaying it. Hey. It didn't play the Man City shout out. Okay, cool. Let's do it one more time. One more time. Did not play the Man City. He didn't really play it, did it? No. Did he play? Yay! He didn't replay it. Good, 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 good. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I don't know why it keeps saying this actually. Oh my god. Bear me one second. Okay, cool. It didn't it didn't re it didn't replay the message, so all good. But big up you anyway, Eric. So yeah, I appreciate you anyway, regardless. Um so I was saying to this, what I was saying to you. So the reality is Yeah, anyway, so. The reality is, I think that if you go on all the major live streaming music platforms that, D that DJs go on to live stream, for the most part, if there's a woman on there that's conventionally attractive or showing lots of skin, usually those views, videos have a lot of higher views than others, right? It kind of is what it is. It's all what it is. I, I don't really give a fuck, right? No one should really give a fuck. Um, I think if I was going to advise anybody who I knew who was a woman who's getting into DJing or was, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, trying to pursue that line of action... I would probably go. I would probably advise against it. I think it's probably not advisable to go down the route of kind of tapping into your looks and shit to get somewhere. Because I feel like eventually, if you're an actual artist, you're gonna want to be known for more than just what you look like because you can't really control that. It's just something you know. It's kind of your luck and whatever genetics, but whatever it may be, in terms of how you look. But I think your artistry is your actual artistry and your talent is what's going to probably stand the test of time and it's what's going to actually have you remembered, right? In terms of, you know, the kind of imprint that you left in your scene and whatnot and your legacy, blah, 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 blah. So I think if you're in it for the long run, or even not even the long run, even for the short time, you should legitimately 
um, try to do it for the right reasons. But I also am not kind of ignorant to the idea or to the realities of it is that to make it as a professional DJ, especially in the scene, wherever you're in, is really difficult. There is no one route to success. It's very hard to get there to the top. And there's a lot of people competing for those for those very small positions. There's not many, especially in, in the UK, as a good example. There's not many clubs, really. There's probably way too many DJs for the clubs. Um, the scene is really fragmented. Um, there's a lot of people that kind of stay, hang around forever and ever and never kind of let go. So there's not a lot, a lot of spaces that are coming up open. You kind of have to kind of force your way in via crowbar and whatnot. So when you do eventually make it, I understand why you kind of tap into whatever you want to tap into to kind of continue that long run or use what you can use to kind of get your foot through the door. I get it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that in the long term, but I feel like you just have to be understanding of the realities of what that kind of attention can bring. Because you can't, because I feel like it's a bit disingenuous to kind of tap into or to kind of embrace your looks as a way to kind of promote yourself and then get annoyed when you get some very first ass messages or the replies or the DMs are a bit crazy. You kind of have to be aware of what you're kind of sending out there signal-wise. Not, it's not to say the whole adage of like, oh, that girl's wearing a short skirt. That's why she got raped sort of shit. Nah. But let's be honest also. If you're out here DJing, showing fucking titties every day, you can't be surprised when somebody comments titties on your fucking comments and get upset and want to block them. Like, it just is what it is. Like, in my personal opinion. But... I'm curious to see what the people in the DJ world had to say about it. So let's read through the replies of her thing. Because you know what I had to say about it, right? So the replies. This person said, folks like me, mid-size, uncomfortable in front, of com uh, in front of camera, don't get the can she even DJ comments. I get the body shaming comments. So it could be a double-edged sword. Okay, cool. That's true. So I guess you, it could be a body image comments. That, that, that's probably a little bit more. I wonder if that's more hurtful than being objectified by your looks. Hmm. I wonder. Imagine you're actually a, a real, I don't say a real DJ, but you actually care about music. You care about being a good DJ, but you actually happen to be attractive. What's more offensive? Um, getting comments on your mixes when you live stream on YouTube. Oh my God, how hot you are. Or if you're not conventionally attractive, but you're a good DJ, getting comments about how ugly you look, how fat you are, how weird your tits are, your arms look weird. Like what's more offensive? What would get on your nerves more? Being always subject objectified by your looks or be always called ugly every time you get in front of a camera? <laughs> I don't know. They're probably both, you know, two sides of the same coin probably, I'd assume. Because I'm sure a, an attractive girl after a while, there's only so many times you can hear somebody say you have nice eyes. You're like thinking, shut up. You know what I mean? You just want to throw them off a bridge sometimes. Another person says here, to be honest, I've found that since I started DJing, I received a lot more violently phrased abuse. <laughs> Holy shit, online. But I guess it's technically boosts my algorithm and feeds into itself. Having a platform to begin with obviously makes advertising itself easier. Exactly. I feel like this is a very um, common sense, balanced way to look at it. Unfortunately, the DJ world, especially on, on social media, is going to invite a level of fucking attention and eyes that you're probably not going to get in the real world. And it's anonymous, right? People are just going to say what they want to say. I just don't believe in censorship or in telling people what they can or cannot say or cannot talk about. I think that's fucking insane. Um, even on your own platform, just let the shit ride. Like, it doesn't fucking matter in the grand scheme of things. It shouldn't really affect your day-to-day. -day. But you can fucking, you know, interpret it how you want to interpret it. But I also think it's good to see it 
on both sides of the same coin. Because I feel like some people don't understand that sometimes the negative comments are just contributing to your success just a matter as a positive one because you know there's engagement behind it there's clicks there's replies um there's whatever there's just whatever right there's engagement going on in those kind of negative comments so they can sometimes help you also so i feel like sometimes being aware of the pros and cons of social media can be somewhat helpful when you do go into it so you're not just sat there naively thinking every comment you're meant to be getting is meant to be praise it's not going to work like that that's not how the internet works it continues another person here says it does without a doubt i have many beautiful dj friends and they are very much aware of the interest in them is based on their attractiveness first skills first and skills second some have even undergone entire image revamps to get more bookings now i don't think this is bad i have no issue with it in the slightest and this is me as a struggling dj struggling dj to get gigs i should probably have the opposite opinion be like oh man there should be real djs put on some clothes you don't have to know how to beat match no 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 no. any way you get into the scene is the way you get in it's that difficult out here trust me it's fucking hard especially now i guess more competitive markets are probably berlin's probably diff more way more difficult maybe parts of fucking america are way more difficult it's hard to get into scenes it's just really difficult to get into industry so anywhere you fucking get in i don't give a fuck the most important thing for me is just your ability to play and actually being good at what you do, right? Having a, maybe a taste level or whatever, even more so than mixing skills. Actually having good taste in music, knowing how to sequence a set together is way more important to me than how you got into the scene. Whether you're wearing a top hat, you go naked, you're dancing on top of the fucking decks, I don't fucking care. However you get is how you get in. I've got no problem with that in the slightest. Another one. I found that it's 10 times harder to prove myself and make people understand you can be hot and talented. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> okay. Way to, way to like boot yourself. I like that reproach. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. That's also probably a bit of a problem too, right? I'm sure that does exist where you get booked, you get booked based on your attractiveness, but also people don't take you seriously. Cause I'm sure that must be like a, a common thing, a common annoyance for a, an attractive woman DJ. You go to play at somewhere, you go to play somewhere, you're convinced you're attractive, and for whatever reason, people just assume you don't know what you're doing. So they just automatically start helping you. They want to help you plug in the cables at the back. They want to make sure you know how to plug in your headphones. <laughs> they let you know where the USB hole is. I'm sure that must happen. I'm sure that happens with women DJs. I'm sure that fucking happens, man. I'm sure. They turn to gigs and guys just like, it's like a weird man's no is it it's not even mansplaining it's like you just, they just just want to take control and help them with their gear like assuming they have never played before in front of an audience <laughs> on equipment oh another one honestly i think it makes it harder for people to constantly um who are questioning your success and whether or not you deserve followers your flowers okay cool that's that's true i guess that's why i think in general if you're an attractive person Use it to your advantage, but also make the pivot into being an artist and being all about the music very quickly. Like, just do it snap. Like, I think a good example of it is Daria Kolosova. And again, this is a very commercial and mainstream example. But that Daria Kolosova, Kolosova sorry, the Ukrainian DJ, she's a good example of it. And maybe even Nastya to a certain ex example, right? Where I think they purposely used their attractiveness and their you know, tendency to wear skimpy outfits as a way to kind of get eyes and attention. 
Then as soon as they got into the industry, established themselves, they completely pivoted and did it all artist stuff. Like, you know, dropping, having a label, doing loads of releases and shit, putting on their own parties. Like, it became strictly about the music and the vibes and shit. It, did, it wasn't just constantly sex, 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 image, 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 image. I think that's mostly important. That's probably a better way to counteract it. It's not easy, but it may work. Another one. Well, I'm absolutely stunning and this has been the quietest year so far, so I don't think it helps. Um, another one says, in some scenes it does. I remember being told by Miss, Un Miss Monique for the first time as she got many views on her YouTube streams. I'd never heard of her, but years later she'd still be doing them and has earned her spot. Respect to, for the hard work consistency in the game. Yeah, I think another person that had the same sort of issue I remember reading about was the DJ called Jada G. She was, I think, famous for kind of being... I remember reading an interview where she kind of sounded like she was very conflicted about her success. I feel like it might have been like the first thick mantle or something. Well, I guess maybe maybe people hadn't seen what she looked like, but she's essentially like, you know, mixed race, big curly hair, right? Super bright smile. So I guess people were leaving like, you know, comments down in the, in the in, you know, replies in the comments. I'm a god, how hot, how hot, how hot. And here's this DJ, Jada G, playing all vinyl, right? All vinyl, mixing impeccably, amazing set, and everything that's in the comments is just like how hot she looks. So she had a bit of that kind of weird kind of crisis of like, fuck, man, like it's not my fault I look like this, but also like respect my artistry. Um, it continues. It works if you're monetizing a following from elsewhere, plus gatekeepers who believe in you. I had stalkers, assault, bitchiness. Um, others try to use me and no protection. As you know, I've been in this for a long time. Releases under my belt. Um, no proper agent either. It isn't easy. As you know, you know, people that say that sort of stuff, it's really crazy in a sentence, as you know. Um, but yeah, um, I get this. This makes a lot of sense because I remember reading another interview of the DJ. Um, what's her name? Maria something, I forgot her name. Mary something, I forgot her fucking name. Oxtomy or something, right? I think that's her name. And she was, she shared this fucking horrifying story where she was saying that she went to go play at, at some venue, like a festival or some shit. And she's walking through the crowd to go to her fucking, to the booth. And a guy just came up and started touching her tits and shit. Like, just like, started grabbing her and whatnot. Like, literally sexually assaulting her as she's on the way to go play. Like, <laughs> imagine how that is. And I think she said, she got the same sort of shit on the way, the train there and stuff. Like, I don't know. I can't imagine what that must be like day to day. Like, because clubs already are a little bit of a fucking hazard anyway, especially ones that don't have good door, door policies or whatever it may be, or they're just clearly, mass, you know, pointed at the masses. Like, I can't imagine. Anyway, it continues. How do you define stunning? What measures do you use? Okay, shut up you. Another person here says, my opinion is that most definitely helps as much as it, as much as the music industry is personality appearance based, especially since social media. However, it's also a magnet for abuse, particularly for bitter men accusing an attractive female of, of having success you due to their looks. Yeah, but it's not men though, isn't it? Only. Everybody does this. Like, it's everybody. It's just like an everybody thing. It's just social media in general. It's just, you know, a platform where people can just say what they want and they're just going to say it. It's not really a... It's not a men thing, really. I'm sure there are attractive dudes out there who... You know, there's guys and girls out there who complain that they get on the gigs because of how they look. It's just what it is, isn't it? But hey, what do I know? Another one says here, being good looking helps everybody. Mochak is really pretty and loved on TikTok. Obviously, women judge more, but people still have to listen to music and sets. There's tons of mediocre music hotties who end up quitting also overall style and vibe. Now, I think this is a good place to end because I feel like this, for me, is what I think the world should go in. I feel like you should do everything. Do everything. So this guy, Mochak, who I've, I've obviously discovered because of TikTok also, I feel like, you know, I guess girls would be into him, but I don't know what girls would be into in terms of looks-wise. He looks pretty cool. But he's everywhere. 
So in my head, if he's everywhere, that means he fucking works hard. So what he does is that he kind of capitalizes on the looks that he has that girls would be into, guys and girls probably like, but he also backs it up by output. So if you're going to be the conventionally attractive woman, maybe embrace your titties, embrace the cleavage, embrace the face, but also fucking churn out the content. Stream after stream after stream. Release after release after release. Point after point after party. Like, put the work in. And then, maybe, by default, that will get to a place where your artistry starts to fucking outstrip what you look like. And people don't care anymore because you're just putting out so much content that they can always consume. That might be the trick, actually. That may be actually the trick. Just do everything in your power. If you've got looks, do it. If you've got hustle, do it. If you've got a unique point of view, do it. Whatever you can do to get your foot into the door, do it. Because unfortunately, there is no apparatus out there. Um, there's no fucking institution. There's no fucking um, guide or people out there that are going to hold your hand through this scene. You have to kind of figure it out on your own. And God forbid asking another DJ for help. You're definitely going to get left unseen. So just do what you can do with the tools you have to at your arsenal. That's all you can do. But I, I always, always will kind of say to anybody that will listen to me, especially women, be very careful of playing that attractive game. Because unfortunately, especially on social, it can attract the worst type of community of people around your shit. And it can be hard to shake. You know, it can be really hard to shake. But hey, what do I know? What do I bloody know? Moving on from that one. Buddy, buddy, ba. What am I say here? Um, let's go to this one. Let's say this. Yeah, so let's go here. So, Utopia from Travis Scott finally dropped over the weekend. And everybody's been, you know, loving it, hyping over it, excited about it. And I have to be honest, much like most art that's being dropped nowadays or most content that's being created, I think nothing really lives up to the hype. And I feel like Utopia kind of, for me, um, was a little bit underwhelming, a tad bit underwhelming. I feel like the delays, obviously in part due to what happened in World, that tragedy where 10 people unfortunately passed away, added to it, maybe COVID also, whatever. Um, kind of added to anticipation of it. But I feel like after all that wait, to finally get this album in our hands and to finally listen to it, it was a little bit underwhelming. That isn't to say it's not ex excellently produced. It legitimately sounds expensive. It legitimately sounds expansive. It sounds like a score of a movie. Um, it takes you on a complete journey. Um, it's very cohesive in that from track one to track, you know, the end track, whatever it may be, is it 19 tracks? from track one to track 19, um, it kind of feels like an actual album because nowadays I feel like a lot of artists because of Spotify playlistings or because of just the culture or the way people consume music where they're mostly listening to one tune, a single, as opposed to an album, people are now starting to make albums like that. They're starting to make albums where they just put a collection of singles together. So it doesn't actually feel cohesive. It's not like an actual story you're telling or... Maybe the most important thing, which I think is way more important than that, because I've just thought about it now from a DJ's point of view, it's actually not important that your album sounds cohesive and that it tells a story, as in there's like a beginning, a middle, and the end. No, it's actually more important that it's sequenced correctly. There's actually a, an, a kind of a 
an idea behind a sequencing, whether it's like you start off really hard and you end really soft, or whether you go up or down, whatever. There has to be some idea about the sequencing, and I feel like sequencing on this album is great because a good example being K-pop. That song K-pop with um, Bad Bunny in the weekend, I feel like you know it dropped as a single was really underwhelming too, considering the level of artists that are involved. Bad Bunny and The Weeknd being two of our most prominent pop stars out there and Travis Scott. But when you listen to it in sequence to the album, especially before a very mediocre Kid Cudi appearance, it actually flowed pretty well. K-pop actually sounded pretty good. But I feel like as overall as an album, this was really underwhelming. And one of the things why it was underwhelming, and I say this with all due respect to Travis Scott, he has nothing to say. He has nothing to say. I feel like these records were kind of wasted on him. And if anything, these records or this album made me appreciate Kanye more than I already did. Because like your lump it with Kanye, he at least says something. He at least has a point of view. He at least is changing up his sound every single album, bringing something fresh, bringing something new. Obviously, his approach to making the album is absolutely insane, right? Getting everybody to dress in black and stay in a fucking locker room of a stadium, in a stadium somewhere, committing to not swearing, whatever it may be, right? Like, he approaches it with an idea of what he's trying to say, a story to tell, a POV, a fucking approach to fucking artistry. And I feel like, for whatever reason, one of Travis's strengths as an artist or as a person is that he's very kind of, like, bland. That's probably why he's very collaboration friendly. McDonald's, Nike, whatever, right? He's probably one of the only black hip hop people I can think of, artists, right, out there, who's able to collaborate with fucking anybody. Because with the exception of the Astro World tragedy, which was a fucking horrific incident, I saw I still don't get how he kind of got away with that, to be fair, because in my opinion, he was somewhat culpable for that tragedy. He didn't he obviously he didn't cause that he didn't he didn't like by his hand caused their deaths but the actions that led up to it he could definitely be responsible for some of it in terms of his inability to kind of get the crowd to calm down and shit was not good but that aside Travis Scott is very brand friendly and I feel like maybe because he's so brand friendly that's probably why he also doesn't say nothing on his music because to say something with your music means you're going to be controversial. You're going to be in the Kanye West side of things where it's always a bit of a gamble to kind of do a deal with you because you might go and say some crazy shit later because you have points of view. Well, I feel like Travis Scott doesn't have any point of view. So it kind of pills through in his music. Like this, this fucking album, right? The first three tracks or the first five. No, fuck that. The first 10, right? are incredibly incredibly produced they go on a fucking journey like the instrumentation the switch ups the fucking the sound the textures are incredible but can any of you tell me especially with travis scott fans what did this guy say in any of these records what did he say what did he actually say i can't remember absolutely nothing loads of croning straight ups Loads of like nothing else was said, and again, these are all amazing tracks, fucking banging tracks, produced impeccably by some of the best producers out there. Most of the tracks, I think, have more than two producers or three on there that fucking contributing to the overall fucking finished record, but they don't say jack shit. It's so vapid, so empty. And for me, I have to be honest, this represent this is representative of the current state of art nowadays. It's just empty. No one has anything to say. 
No one's interesting. Um, no one actually lives an interesting life. No one tries to do interesting things. No one has an actual point of view. Um, no one has taste. So all you get is this. And in my opinion, this is probably, weirdly as this make point to make, this, in my opinion, is a reason why I don't believe this common trope that people put out there. And I've heard people say it. Um, I heard somebody say it on the fucking podcast I love to listen to called Das Techno Team. Check them out. They have a really good podcast where they talk about club culture and stuff and they're based in fucking um, Berlin and shit. And they were basically saying, oh, AI could never replicate what the scene's about or the DJs or the music because it doesn't have the vibes or the atmosphere. It's like, no, that's bullshit. Because in my opinion, Travis Scott, Taylor Swift, even to a certain extent, fucking Adele, that to me is as close to AI music that then, that, that to me is a version of AI music because it doesn't say shit. It doesn't do shit. It just is there for what it's there for, lives when it lives and it disappears when it disappears. But you don't remember anything from it. Now, I'm sure some of the fans of Taylor Swift and stuff will say different because there's some songs that you connect with. But in terms of this kind of cookie cutter, almost in through out, one year out through the other ability, that's what I feel like Travis Scott kind of does. It's all kind of AI-induced. It kind of makes it leaves me feeling a bit empty. And it's weird because the album, like I said, is expensive. It takes you on a journey. The tracks are sensationally produced. Very expensive, clearly. Loads of texture in some of the sounds. Like, everything you want. But in terms of his ability to say things on the record, to have a point of view, whatever, nothing is said. Zero in my opinion it's a real disappointment personally very 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 underwhelming but hey what do i know one thing that wasn't underwhelming one thing that wasn't underwhelming has definitely been the approach to it and people will say oh no he's about the music industry i beg the differ as brendan Shaw would say i beg the differ that he's about the artistry because if he's about the artistry then nothing i've seen off the back of this fucking utopia album Look at the amount of fucking merch that's being pumped out for it. That makes me think now that clearly albums now are being used as an opportunity to just pump out fucking product. That's it. Let me just sell you shit. So instead of actually producing good music, actually saying shit, you're actually using albums as a weird um, audio sense, like an audio sensory business card, if that makes any sense. Uh, an, an audio fucking billboard to get people in to kind of then buy the stuff that you actually want them to buy which is the fucking shoes he's put out look at this look how fucking shameless this is a pair of travis scott allegedly utopia nike air force ones that just have the utopia fucking thing ripped into the fucking bottom of a pair of air force ones nike air, nike air force ones are the most generic um easily applied fucking no easily favorable shoe of all time there's probably not a person on, the, on earth that does not not like a pair of air force one especially in all white everyone's gonna like them so selling this as part of your fucking bundle for an album is for me a legitimate a legitimate a legitimate example of a cash grab and not caring about the music but there's more tons of merch that briefcase that you saw him carrying around everywhere of course merch Collaboration with Cause, of course, more merch. St. Michael collaboration, Utopia t-shirts, fucking posters, um, movie posters, vinyls, like all out on the same day. 
as the album drops, all this stuff is available to buy instantly. Instantly. So the music doesn't say shit, but if you want to fucking say something about the music you listen to, by wearing something and listen to it, you buy the fucking art. You buy the fucking clothing. You buy the fucking shoes. How fucking horrendous and heinous is this? The lack of shame is fucking frightening. And for me, this is a good example of why artistry nowadays is so dead. Because this is what's most important. Because probably this is what's probably going to make the most money for the guy. Right? Because you'd imagine merch sells on their own, more money in his pocket. But then also the ability to sell more first week will probably increase your ability to book more shows, which would mean more money in your pocket. So it's dem demonstrably way more advantageous for you to go and have all of this fucking merch behind your fucking album as a bundle or whatever it may be so that you can obviously boost the first week sales and improve your ability to make more money, which then in part means the art itself suffers, which then means the fans of your actual music are the ones that get shafted. It's absolutely horrendous. Empty, vapid shit. In my opinion, all these designs could be generated via AI. And in my opinion, all the things that Travis Scott said, not the music, the things that he said, the words, you could put that for an AI bot and you could probably do something similar. So all people on their high horse about AI not being able to replicate the human touch and we're all fucking, you know, these highfalutin artists. Nah, mate. Most people are not. Most people don't know how to make great art. Most people don't have the capacity to make great art. Most people don't have enough time to meditate and sit with their thoughts or actually do the work or do the research needed to produce great work. So all you get is mediocre shit and, you know, which then feeds into people listening to mediocre shit, reproducing it, and we just get into this weird fucking cycle. It's fucking heinous. And it makes me think because the other day, I actually had the fucking pleasure I had the fucking honor and the fucking pleasure to go and see Oppenheimer in the cinema. And I feel like because I went to see Oppenheimer, the Christopher Nolan film, I also got to listen to fucking Travis Scott, new album Utopia. It legitimately made me realize what great art actually looks like and what actually going, how, what it meant to spend your money and actually feel like you didn't waste it. Because for the most part, whether it's me going to raves, whether it's me listening to fucking albums, whether it's me going to fucking festivals, there's probably seven out of ten times I go, you're like, better waste of money. Meh. You know what I mean? Like maybe, again, maybe it's my fault because of the places I'm going. But I feel like for the most part, most art, most content nowadays is very underwhelming. And for once, for all the hype, all the build-up, all the rumours, we finally got a movie that was actually worth the wait. Don't get me wrong. If you're not interested in history, if you're not interested in the subject matter, maybe sitting in the cinema for two plus hours, right? Trying to figure out who's who in this story of Oppenheimer is a little bit much. But for me personally, being a bit of a history buff and being into all this shit, this legitimately was one of the best movies I watched in a very long time, especially in the modern era. This was definitely one of the best movies I've watched because guess what? It made you feel something. It made you feel something. It had something to say. It left you with questions at the end. It made you want to fucking ruminate in your head about who is the bad guy? Who is the good guy in this story? Um, which narrative or which fucking perspective do you fucking agree with? Who do you ride for? Like, it was fucking incredibly well done. 
And one of the best things I loved about it, um, the movie Oppenheimer by Christopher Nolan, is that it didn't try to, um, it didn't try to fucking kowtow or to do this whole like cringy rep representation shit that happens, right? Or be immensely ideologically possessed in terms of the politics they try to kind of put out. So for instance, the movie is extremely white, right? I don't think I saw a single black person on screen. But it doesn't matter because it's historically correct. It's depicting a moment in time, a you know, a snapshot of history where there was a particular type of person that looked like that, and that's what they looked like. But it didn't try to rewrite history by telling us, oh, actually, the person that did, did this was the fucking servant, was the wife, was it this? No, it told the story how it was meant to be told, and it was able to tell it in the best way. And ironically enough, because it told the story in a very, I thought, um, what do you call it, honest way, it actually made the women in the story seem way more powerful and stronger than it would have if they tried to kind of force you to believe that Oppenheimer's wife was actual deep genius behind everything. Because I think that's what somebody that is, um, that is ideologically possessed would have done. They would have tried to make Oppenheimer's wife in the fucking movie be the person that was actually the brains behind everything, behind the atomic bomb, which would be insane. But actually by showing Oppenheimer's wife as being a little bit fragile, maybe having her addiction issues, you know, whatever it may be, it actually made her seem way stronger. It actually gave her a better fucking presence on the screen, in my humble opinion. I fucking loved it. And I thought that legitimately it was one of the things I've consumed in recent times that I honestly feel like was worth the money, was worth the experience, was worth the time, was worth the investment, was going to go see this movie. And it, because I feel like it came from an actual artist, an actual person that cares about their craft, um, willing to put everything, you know, basically, you know, putting everything that they can into that movie and making a great one. And I really did enjoy it. So I really recommend you go check out Oppenheim if you haven't. Um, Dan Dutta says, I saw Barbie of Oppenheimer. I don't regret it. Okay, fair enough. I haven't seen Barbie yet, but Oppenheimer was fucking incredible. I had a really good time and I've been eager to go check it back out again when it does happen. Now, going back to fucking Travis Scott's album. Last thing I want to mention here. Drake. That Drake feature on Meltdown legitimately may be the best Drake verse I've ever heard. And the reason why I say this is because he sounds angry. He sounds passionate. He sounds pissed off. He sounds annoyed. And because of all those things, his voice has texture. You can, you can, you can hear the spite, the, the fucking displeasure in his voice when he's fucking going at Pharrell, going at Pusha T, taking the piss out of Virgil's friends and shit that didn't honor his, honor his legacy and shit. I swear to God, that feature on Meltdown legitimately may be the best Drake feature I've ever heard in my life. And again, this is representative, this is representative maybe a little bit, or maybe calls into oh no, this maybe maybe makes this maybe makes me agree with Joe Budden's assertion back in the day. Joe Budden went on a rant famously that he felt like Drake was uninspired and shit and going through the motions. And I can agree now. What would Joe Budden saying? Because if this is what Drake sounds like when he's actually passionate and really hungry, this is what we're missing out on. We're missing out on a version of Drake on these verses, right? Where he starts off by saying tensions is definitely rising. You already know what fucking time he's on when he's like tensions is definitely rising. 
He starts off his fucking Drake lyric with that. Honestly, I swear to God, that's how he starts off. Tensions is definitely rising. Like, that for sure tells you what fucking time he's on. And then he just goes in from there, right? Tea time like I got a cup of this shit. Tea time like <laughs> like golf at quarter to six. I'd love to fuck on a regular bitch. Famous hoes lame, but they stay on my dick. Love this. Heard you got a new joint. It's embarrassing shit. Heard, sorry, heard a new joint. It's embarrassing shit. You talk to the cops of some therapist shit. You act like you love this American shit. But really, the truth is you're scared of the six. And he starts whispering. <laughs> yeah? You're scared of the six. You're scared of the six. Honestly, this for me reminded me a little bit of the Giggs verse on KMT. On Giggs' previous album, I think it's like Landlord, there's a bar in that camp. There's a famous song, KMT, with, with Giggs and Drake, where Drake is kind of, kind of like, you know, he's, he's always, he's always, Giggs always had this kind of sinister, like, okay, oh, you're getting nervous, right? He's always got that kind of tone. And I feel like Drake has kind of, you know, he sort of like absorbed that sort of like flow and did it in his own way. And obviously going at Pharrell and Pusha T in the best way possible. And it could cut follows. He goes, um, your bodyguard putting some work on a fluke, right? Incredible this, I feel like, right? Your bodyguard putting some work on a fluke thing. Don't talk to the boy about comparison shit or come to the boy on some arrogant shit. The weapons we got are some terrorist shit. Like TV producers, we, grrr, we airing the shit. She asks for bread for her parents and shit. I told her I got no cash and she said she wait on I said she she could wait on a rack on some Arabic shit. I put on a, I put out a million and stare at the shit. My dick just got hard cuz I got a cuz a wire just hit. My schedule is out come spinners for real, right? And this is again, hey, if you're really about this life, come get us. You know what I'm on. You know I'm on tour. You know the fucking It's a Blur tour is out now. You see the dates. You know exactly where I'm going to be at every single day of the week. Come. Come find me. Man, fuck all that spinning the narrative shit. I melt down the chains that I bought from your boss and give a fuck about all that heritage shit. Are you hearing what he's saying? Are you hearing him? Are you hearing fucking Drake? Basically saying that the chains that he bought from Pharrell at auction, right? Pharrell auctioned off all of his old chains from the BBC, NERD era, right? And he bought them all. Drake is basically saying, I bought all these chains that you're seeing on screen to melt them down, bruh. On some fucking, you know, 4D chess shit. Fuck your boss and fuck you. I'm melting this shit down. Fuck the heritage. Spit on your heritage. Piss on your grey type of shit. Fucking incredible. Incredible long run. Incredible. I fucking love it. Honestly. This is the kind of Drake I like to hear. Um get since Vig not around, the members gone the members done up hung up their Louis. They're not even wearing that shit. I love this because personally, I feel like again, only as a fan, not knowing people and having met Virgil a couple of times and him been really nice to me and shit and been a real fan of his and whatnot. It's been kind of sad to see all the kind of clout demons that all around kind of like fucking shits around, you know, flies around shit have now suddenly stopped playing any 
attention to Virgil and his legacy, have stopped posting about him anymore in the slightest. And as soon as Pharrell got fucking appointed and the show was on, they all fucking jumped ship and they were all with fucking pom-poms out at the side of the fucking runway, you know, giving it a hee-ha-hoo-ha. So I love the fact that Drake, despite being a quote-unquote recent friend of Virgil, is the one really going out of his way to honour Drake's legacy. I kind of like that. I know some people might think it's corny and shit, but I like the fact that he goes that way and does it because clearly he does way more personal effort to honor Drake's legacy than even maybe a Kanye. And maybe, you know, Virgil and Kanye had their differences when, you know, he unfortunately passed away. R.I.P. Virgil the GOAT. But even Ye doesn't, you know, honor Virgil's legacy like that. Now, some would argue, and I've seen some people say this, um, that maybe Drake is a little bit distasteful for inserting Virgil into the beef, basically using the name of a dead man to kind of, you know, go at your your enemy. But I feel like, in my opinion, based on the stuff he's ever done before, the statues and the other shout outs and the fact that he still flies on the fucking plane, all of that shit, I feel like he genuinely is trying in his own way to honor Drake's legacy by mentioning him in the way that he does. And he's probably bemused as I am that all these guys that were legitimately his quote-unquote best friends, right, are now going out of their way to, like, not say anything about anything, you know? They don't comment, they don't say jack shit, um, and they all kind of jump ship. And for the most part, even when Drake Virgil was around, that's one thing I always said was very kind of um, interesting about his friends, is that whenever commentators or fans of fashion outside of that circle would say, oh, Virgil's clothes suck, a lot of these guys will basically be arguing in the comments or trying to, you know, make spin the narrative that the fans don't know what they're talking about. They don't know how important it is to the music, to the culture and shit. But then when you ask them, hey, do you actually own any Virgil stuff yourself? Crickets. So they'll bear, they'll bear the shows. They'll be happy to get the invitations, get the hotel stays, get the flights, maybe get some free Nike collaborations here and there. But you didn't see many of these friends wearing off-white. You didn't see many of these friends wearing... Virgil designed Louis Vuitton. It does. It didn't happen. So a lot of these guys and girls were kind of full of shit, which is kind of what it is. You know, it's not a big deal. That's a scene. But I feel like if that's the case, then Drake has a reason to call them out because it needs to be said, especially by somebody of his stature. Because when it comes from me, just some fucking guy on the fucking sidelines checking his shit, it doesn't have the same fucking. You know I mean, there's not there's not enough um base in it, right? Normally, listens to what I have to say. But when it's someone like that, I feel people are gonna bring them up more you know are gonna have a lot more pause for reflection anyway it continues i melt down the chains that i bought from your boss give a fuck about all that heritage shit since v not around the members don't hung up the louis they're not even wearing that shit don't come to the boy about repairing some shit don't come to the boy about sparing some shit you lucky that vogue was suing because i would have been in the wasser i would have been with the wasser in paris and shit <laughs> i fucking love it honestly I don't care how fucking idiotic this fucking verse is, how unbelievable it verse is, because, you know, Drake ain't going nowhere with no strap. He's not fighting anybody anytime soon. But I love the fact that he sounds angry and he sounds pissed off. This might be the only track in the whole entire Travis Scott album where you actually get the feeling like someone's got something to say. The rest of it is just like, it's like comatose music. You know what I mean? You're just going through the motions. But I feel like Drake actually stepped up and said, hey, I've got something to say. I'm going to say it. I don't care who gets upset. 
and we're going to go from there. And I fucking love it. So big up Drake for having a POV. Big up Drake for having a POV. And long live Virgil Abloh. So, I've been saying, yeah, Lucy said, do you know if the Off-White Sloan Street store closed? I've been told it's no longer open. Maybe, I don't, I'm not too sure to be fair. Um, I don't really, I've never, what's the one, what's the, no, I went to one. What's the first one I went to? I don't know which one, which one did I go to? I went to one. I don't actually remember which, which off-white store I went to, but I remember going to one very, very early on. But yeah, it's just, hey, it's just unfortunate. It's just really unfortunate, really, isn't it? So it's unfortunate, it's unfortunate, it's unfortunate. Um, I don't want to go too deep into it because it just bums me out. But yeah, um, let's continue here. Next, talk about this. So I've also been watching this and saying, you know what? I can kind of understand ASAP Rocky's annoyance at the existence of Travis Scott and his, his kind of ascension and the fact that he kind of has maybe in Rocky's idea or Rocky's world taking his style taking his sound and maybe popularized it or brought it to the mainstream without giving him his just desserts but having watched and listened to asap rocky's new single and music video for his record called riot which is going to be playing here in the background on mute i have to say that i kind of oh no it's on that's the audio i kind of understand why people would say they prefer a Travis over a fucking ASAP Rocky. Because I feel like with ASAP Rocky, his biggest thing, his biggest issue is this. This video is incredibly, incredibly well put together, right? Visually, this music video that he's got for Riot is an incredible thing to watch in full. But the music itself, it's so empty. It's so lacking in substance. It's almost frightening. And it's worse still with this music video because the title of the single is Riot. So it's about causing a riot, but Rocky doesn't say anything. No point of view, no nothing. All this riot imagery, military shit, tanks, um, loads of kids protesting, kind of marching, running down the street. Again, visually, cinematography, direction, whatever. Incredible. Even just the color grading of it is fucking stupendous. The editing, great. But Rocky says absolutely nothing of any substance. Zero. Zero. Zero gets said. And I feel like this is another example of just like where art is. is in a real strange place at the moment. Where maybe this type of stuff is way more important than what you say because I've seen people sharing little clips and gifts of Rocky doing the dance, of him doing the Assassin's Creed leap off the fucking, you know, off the buildings and shit, him hanging around, the jewelry pieces. I've seen loads of little memes and little gifts of stuff of this video, but I've not seen people actually talk about the actual songs, the actual song quality. Is it actually good? Does it actually say anything? Is this actually going to go anywhere? Is this really getting you excited for the album? Like, are you actually excited for the new ASAP Rocky album based off of what you heard from this single? Or are you just more impressed about the looks in the video, which look great, and the scenes in it, as opposed to the actual words and actual image and the actual message being said on the actual album itself? It's kind of sad, to be honest, in that respect. All this kind of money and resources that goes into producing such an incredible music video, but then you don't have anything to say. But I wonder if this is representative of the people. Because I don't really, Rocky doesn't strike me as a 
super intelligent, introspective type of dude anyway. Right? He's somebody that kind of, for me, again, not a, not a slight, but, you know, lives in the moment, does his thing. But I don't necessarily think of him as having, like, riveting conversations or interesting things to say about the world and about his place in it. So maybe that's, rep- that's going to be reflective in the music that he puts out. So maybe this is actually who he actually is, more so as to maybe what I'm thinking he should be, based on what he puts out. It's just not that great. I don't know. I heard it, watched the music video, I was like, this doesn't match up, man. This is absolutely garbageo, and I don't get why this exists. Very, very strange, very bizarre. But again, maybe I'm in the minority with this sort of stuff, and I kind of don't get it. But I do understand now, having listened to the music, why for me, I can't really get how you can justify having Rocky headline festivals when the music is subpar, but the visuals are what they are. Because I feel like at festivals, you can't have all these visuals. You need to have good performances. You need to have, be able to put on a good show, have actual good music. And I feel like for the most part, Rocky's best stuff came out years ago. Years and years and years ago. He hasn't put out anything really that interesting since. And it's just all been visuals. Really good visuals, really good artistic direction. But the, the quality of music itself is kakadudu for the most part. Garbaggio, garbaggio, garbaggio. Unfortunately, said to be honest. Really, really unfortunately, but it's just not for me. Really, really not for me. But hey, maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe I'm in the minority. Moving on from this one, I quickly wanted to mention this regarding Freddie K. This is a set taken from Stone Techno Music Festival um, this year that takes place, I think, in Essen. I already mentioned before that it's definitely a festival that's on my bucket list mostly because of the location because you know i haven't been to essen before i've only obviously been to germany and fucking bang that bit out too much so maybe going to visit other places around germany would be quite cool so if i can do that you know off the back of a festival even better and obviously the the fucking location is fucking beautiful right absolutely fucking beautiful um this industrial sort of location just kind of goes hand in hand with techno music and kind of makes it just look that extra bit banging now for me the concerning part for me with Freddie K is that I've always been somebody that's kind of been a little bit, I won't say miffed, but I've always kind of been a bit dubious as to Freddie K's appeal. And I think because I guess I've never seen the best version of Freddie K, which is obviously him playing in his hometown in fucking Berlin, or his home city, sorry, where he's based. And um, him obviously doing the closing sets, legendary ones in Bergheim. I've never had the pleasure of listening to him in those sort of settings. It's always been through mixes or maybe the time that I saw him playing E1 or whatever, but it's never been on his actual home turf doing his thing. So maybe I can't be too critical of it. But I have to say, based on how people talk about him on forums and how he's spoken about on podcasts and shit, and based on what I've heard of him so far, I'm kind of not getting the hype. And I kind of feel like maybe he's purposely made this pivot to playing this faster stuff. Maybe that's more similar to like hard techno hard trance whatever you're gonna or hard dance music but whatever it is it's very odd because i feel like this set in particular because of stone techno music festival i feel like it sounds the same throughout the entirety of the fucking um mix i'm gonna lower the sound a bit so it's not too high but if you play the fucking mix from like let's play it from like here seven minutes in right i feel like the pace and the bpm doesn't alter or it just gets faster and faster the entire two hours and it gets faster and faster at the sort of, um, you know, um, 
negatively affecting the groove and the vibe of it, basically. It doesn't really help it in that respect. Let me play it and let me show you what I mean. Okay, you heard that right. Now, if I skip ahead to like 20, let's see here, 25. It's only got a quicker now so far for me. Not much difference in tonality. Maybe again, maybe I'm bugging out, but maybe just for me. Skip ahead again to 45. Only got quicker, same shit. Doesn't really feel that different to me. And again, let, let, let this be another thing. Just because you play vinyl doesn't mean you're gonna be a better DJ. In my personal opinion, I feel like it's another thing that people do as well. Oh, it's vinyl, but it doesn't matter if you're vinyl. Like I'm somebody that I come from the kind of way of thinking where it doesn't even matter if you can't mix. The actual best DJs out there, I feel like, are the ones that just are able to know what to play. Like what goes good with what. Like sequencing to me is way more important and having good taste and actual, the ability to mix. Don't get me wrong. The ability to mix on top of good sequencing, on top of good taste is fucking phenomenal, right? They're, those that do exist, right? The Ben UFOs of this world who have impeccable actual technical DJ skills. DVS1 is another good example, but then are actually got good, you know, basis of music to pick from, um, you know, dig incredibly well, good taste, all uh, well, that shit. But just playing vinyl alone isn't the best thing for me. Anyway, continues on. Now, fast forward again, to 50 to an hour. Feels the same to me again still. All right, go again to 20. Still quicker, too fast, for the sake of it. Forward again to 1.30. Now, for me personally, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say, I think Freddie K is overrated, personally for me. For how people speak about him and then listen to what he sounds like, I don't think he's that much better than most people out there personally for me personally i don't feel like the music is that incredible that it would justify people flying all the way to fucking berlin to go see him play a closing set in Berghain. but maybe to be fair to the guy maybe when he goes to place festivals because you're only getting two hour slots there is no room to go on a journey because i think he's you know i think he's, he said it in a joking way his kind of minimum time that he plays is four hours maybe even longer than that right he wants to play four six hour sets longer than that probably to, to, to you know come from the the Bergheim kind of no the berlin sort of educational playing places right more longer sets and whatnot so maybe when he's playing festivals there's a tendency to kind of only do the bangers that's the best way to kind of approach these sort of things fair i understand but it is really interesting when you see somebody play you hear them play and then you think about the people that have been speaking about them online. You're like, hold on, this doesn't really feel like it's what you've been speaking about. And it makes me think sometimes, maybe, maybe this is represent representative of the scene overall. There's a lot of like collective hive mind. There's not a lot of like individual like taste, which maybe makes it interesting why certain people blow up the way they do because everyone just agrees this person's amazing. 
The one person's another good example is um is that DJ called Kelza. Kelza, I don't know if you pronounce his name. He's somebody everybody's kind of really hyped on and really on, whatever it may be. But everybody's just saying he's amazing. But then sometimes I look and I think to myself, like, is he actually amazing or just because everybody kind of agrees this is the next person to kind of jock and be on? But I feel like, because I feel like the last, I feel like the last person who I feel like justified the scene hype for me was Renee Wise. I heard Renee Wise's name forever and ever. Obviously, I've got a couple of his, you know, productions and records on my fuck in my fucking um record box that I listen to him play out sometimes. But listen to him play out, I was like, okay, cool. Renee Wise definitely does live up to the hype, and he is actually as good or even better than what people say he is, right? And he just, he he definitely is worth getting on a Ryanair flight to go and see him play somewhere, like in Berlin or something. But I feel like the rest of it, everyone just kind of like. They were just lying. I don't know if they're lying. If they just want to appear like they're cool. You want to appear like you're down. So you say Freddie K is amazing. Because if you say you like Freddie K, it all it automatically comes with the assumption that you've probably been to Berlin, that you know about underground parties, that you know about his radio show, that you, you know, you've seen him on Raw, you've seen, you bought his merch, you know he plays only vinyl. It kind of comes with all these kind of um, presumptions of you as a person and your taste level. By saying you like Freddie K. It's kind of like the opposite of saying you like Nina Kravitz, right? Which is ironic because I feel like sometimes people just hear people's names and get put off of it with, without actually listening to what they actually put out. Which isn't to say they're bad or not bad. I don't know. I just, I, just, I just feel like there's not a lot of individual point of views and taste when it comes to this sort of stuff. Everyone just kind of agrees with what's good and what's not good. And um, having listened to this set on Stone Music Festival, Kirsty Freddie K, I have to be honest... I'm not that impressed. I'm not that impressed, to be fair. And having, again, seen him play in E1 as well, a little bit underwhelming. For me personally, and again, I could be in incorrect here, and maybe Freddie K is going through the same thing that Dax J went for me, because Dax J, for me, was incredible. Then one day I went to go see him, and I was like, who the fuck is this? He sounds like a meaty lens. Like, he just completely did a 360. And I think that might be part of this thing when you're up-and-coming DJ. Or sorry, when you're just going, when you're kind of, not up and coming when you're kind of progressing through the scene and industry maybe there is a point where you have to kind of switch up how you play your way you present yourself i don't know to get the big bucks maybe because i remember distinctively being a big fan of dax j and waking up one day going to see him play and then be like oh my god this is not the same person that i fell in love with jeremy you know I mean? this guy's completely different like he's just playing fucking a mini lens level type of play he sounds like Charlotte the wit i was like shit um, and maybe that is just what you have to do at some point you know you have to kind of progress you want to get a bit advanced like I'm sure Freddie K doesn't want to only be playing in front of sweaty Berliners every day you want to maybe just you know switch it up and become more commercial maybe get some more money secure a future for your family make it worthwhile for you to come out in the first place if you're going to be carrying around lugging around all these fucking vinyls yeah I mean you need to make it worthwhile so you're not breaking your back for nothing and shit record dip re record digging and shit I don't know either way wasn't I impressed by um, Freddie K's set at Stone Music Festival, unfortunately. And I guess I'm eager to go and bloody, um, you know, I'm eager to see what happening development-wise. But see, look at it in the comments. See, it, it, again, that's a, that's a beauty. That's a beauty of music. It's fucking subjective. Because I said all I have to say. And then Louis Shires here says, I've seen Freddie K in NYC before DVS1, and he surprisingly upstaged DVS1, which is saying a lot. So clearly, it's all really depending on your taste level. What you like, what you don't like. But for me, 
when I saw Freddie K, this set, I wasn't really the biggest fan of it. But I guess maybe um, maybe my tastes have evolved. Maybe um, I'm just not the target demographic. Who knows? Either way, um, that one wasn't the greatest one for me personally. Moving on from that, I wanted to mention this regarding whole music festival. The whole queer music festival happening out now in Berlin at the moment. I have to say, like, I'm a big fan of these things even though they're not promoted or made for me, right? It's obviously aimed at the queer folk out there. But I feel like it's incredibly important that these festivals exist to provide something near a safe space. They don't exist a safe space. It's pretty much impossible to do so because humans are humans. It's hard to control a whole group of people, especially at night, especially under the influence of drugs and alcohol and shit. And just in general, as my mom used to say, you know, nothing really good happens after 9 p.m. So you're just going to attract certain fucking demons out there that are going to do crazy shit. So it kind of is what it is. But you can do some things, right? Door picking, DJ selections can go a long way into, you know, filtering out the fraff. But I feel like sometimes it also is important how you present yourself. And I feel like for some reason, I feel like whole music festival, right? They really go hard in leaning into the queer side of things and always presenting. Even the media they put out on the Instagram is very much geared towards people from that community. They don't kind of bend away from it. And I feel like this does a twofold effect. It freaks out the people who are not meant to be there but it also inspires the people who want to go there. Like you're looking at the Instagram now on their feed, all you see is stuff that you would kind of attribute to people within a queer community, right? It's all kind of queer-based kind of content and people looking amazing, skin showing, different haircuts, fucking tatters out, different color hair, piercings everywhere, pure expression and joy. And I feel like to me, this is the best way to kind of filter out the fraff by just being unapologetically putting out a particular kind of vision of what you are on social not trying to make it kind of um uh pg friendly you know what i mean like you know what i mean like you're on like mainstream friendly you're honestly trying to make sure that no one's under any illusions as to what you're about by being you know by making sure your fucking social media is very reflective of what you do and who you represent and that's what you see here on a consistent basis you see that being kind of shown in every way possible in every bit of imagery and every person they take a picture of at this music festival and i fucking love it and i feel like this is the one of the closest or nearest things you can do to create a safe space is by doing this sort of thing because immediately you make sure that you temper the people that come in because only people that are going to be into this sort of stuff will basically buy a ticket and go to camp at this fucking venue because if you went into this sort of stuff and you got uncomfortable being around these kind of people why would you go and buy a ticket to go there you're under you're under no surprise as to what this is all about and i absolutely love it but i'm curious to know if they actually do still have a door policy anyway thing at a festival because imagine if whole festival gets to a point where it's also become really popular with all the normies and they start to go. Will they actually get to a point where they're like, you know what? We're going to start turning people away at the door. Just imagine how that happens. Imagine like you're going to be a music festival. You're like, you know what? It's getting so fucking popular and our actual community of people who actually made this festival popping are getting so uncomfortable. Even though we're making loads of money and we're getting all this fucking attention, we're going to actually temper it down because we don't want to piss off our fucking main clientele which is the fans that come here all the time 
it would be interesting balance but i reckon they do because you know this is all germany berliner type people so i'm sure there's probably a slight door policy at the, at the at the slight selection policy at the door if they see a a group of 30 lads arriving at the gate they're going to be asking some questions like do you know why you're here do you know what's going on like they're going to make sure because the last thing you'd want these sort of events is to have that kind of you know that kind of uh, element in there to kind of disturb this kind of a uh, sanctuary that you create there and i'm actually a big fan of it i've got to be honest and i really really do want to go one year um just just to kind of go as an experience to kind of see um what it's about and to kind of see um the vibe because i feel like legitimately is one of the more interesting um things out there similar to what we have here in london in the uk called body movement festival that i really would want to go check out and see also um, but big up fucking um, whole music festival for putting together a great little platform for people and making everybody feel comfortable with who they are and shit to express themselves and whatnot and be them best selves when they go out there. I fucking love it in every way, shape, or form. Like look, look at Zachy, look at the safety team. Imagine pulling up, not knowing what's going on, and this is this person from the safety team or something, right? Meeting you at the front, right? The awareness team, safety team, and you imagine not knowing what you're doing. You went there to only go and see, like, I don't know. You went to go see Francois X or something, right? Um, or even imagine one day they book, they book fucking Francois Kavorkin, right? You go there to go see him play only. You bring a little camping trailer. Hold on, who are these people going to this festival? You rock up to the gate and then this is your awareness team member telling you what to expect, what to see here. And then you're getting freaked out. Like, nah, 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 nah. They put this on the Instagram so you're not fucking confused and you know exactly where they stand. So clearly everything there is going great, going phenomenal. Um, what they're saying, yeah, thanks for the first great day of the night. There were some incidents of belongings. Oh no, see, already it started. See, it's already started. This happens all the time. And I bet you, I get, I bet there is, I bet there is a community of queer and gay folk out there. I bet there is, who probably have, their own little WhatsApps, their own Telegram channels where they only push their parties on those places. They don't have them on Resident Advisor, they're not on Google, they're not on Facebook, they're not nowhere because they don't want any normies like myself, any cis-gendered hetero people going there because it's going to spoil the whole thing. Because, you know, we all know they put on the best parties, that community of people, and we're going to go there because they got the best raves. But then we're going to spoil and tamper their scenes and their vibe because some of us will get in there and won't know how to act. And you'll see someone topless and you won't be able to stare. You'll not stare. You'll be, you know, just get touchy and get people's personal space. And it just ruins the whole environment. And I feel like it's a natural sort of like stage that people get to, you know, in festivals. I feel like natural. there's natural stage of the festivals where they kind of get to this point where like you invite the normies suddenly stuff goes missing suddenly there's an uptick in fucking people reporting instances of you know unwanted touching and groping and shit maybe some fights it's so unfortunate man because i'm a big fan of whole festival i fucking love their social media i love their approach i love everything you know even the fucking you know artwork and the graphics and stuff they do i think everything just tells you exactly what they're about there's no confusion about what they're representing what they're about what they're putting out there it's fucking re really done well so it says here the message over the night there was some missing incidents there's some instances of belongings going missing if something 
um, of yours is missing, please get in touch or either with your info points. Our staff has been informed. We're adding extra patrols. If you see something out of place, inform us or security awareness team member. We don't want to be alarmist with this post, but find it necessary to be transparent. We apologize for the situation and we hope it doesn't harsh it doesn't it doesn't um harsh the vibe. Stay hydrated, don't forget to sleep, be sweet to one another. Let's have a beautiful Saturday. Damn, man. Damn. Happens all the time, innit? Every good thing, the fucking crazies come out stealing and shit. Um, you can get a haircut here at Hole. Fucking amazing. Love it. I don't think... Do, do you reckon I cut black hair or no? What do you reckon? What do you reckon? Probably not, right? Um, arena stage update. You got Chijan T playing. Back to back with fucking Dr. Rubenstein, which is a good one. You got some artwork installations there. Love that for them. Full lineup list there with some good people playing. And yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I've got to be honest. I'm a big fan. I would love to go one year just for the spectacle, just to kind of see the vibe. But I also, you know, it's kind of nice to kind of leave them alone, you know? Leave them alone to kind of do their own thing and not to kind of spoil it with my fucking, you know, man hetero vibes, right? Just kind of a little bit. But I kind of want to go see it and just kind of have a good time as well. I don't know. Maybe myself. But yeah, big up the stream chat saying hell no. <laughs> They're not on it. But I want to go, man. It looks like fun. I don't, I, I don't care. It looks like fucking fun to me. I would have a fucking blast here. I'm really sure I'd have a fucking blast. I would love to go one day. I would freaking love to go. Um, Yeah. Scissor cuts only. <laughs> Lows, big up crash. Oh, mate. Anyways, 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 anyways. So... That has been it for the fucking um, Acting Zinga show. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm going to go get prepared for the random show later on. So if you're going to be there, jump on there soon. When's that going to start? Is it half nine I said there for the random show? Yeah, half nine. So I'm going to get prepped for that. So thanks for so much for those of you who have been tuning in um, to fucking, you know, hanging with me for the Acting Zinga show. I do appreciate every single one of you. If it's your first time checking out the show, Please make sure you like the fucking stream down below. That'd be greatly appreciated. If you're listening to this via the fucking podcast app, just leave me a good five-star review. That'd be appreciated also. There's going to be some Patreon content coming out in the next couple of days. So if you want to subscribe to our Patreon, link is in the fucking description. And um, that's about it really, isn't it? If you listen to the audio side, you'll hear my fucking tune today playing underneath me right now. And I'll probably catch the rest of you on a random show in about an hour. So see you in about an hour, brothers and sisters. Thank you so much. Take care. Be safe, everybody. Peace. We were on the throne, living on our own. Hunting my own skin, wanted to break in. She just wanted dance. Time to get back. Make a lot of sense. I die for my respect Wrist diamond ties Neon green lights Don't care about the price I can't but I smash it size Wrist diamond ties Perkins in my Sprite Perkins in my Sprite Louis back through stripes As I walk through the fire with my wings I could only stop for the sirens like a lamb She just wanna pop all the molly in the pants I've been getting rich, making money with my friends Bitch, we off them shit, time to stay here to the end I'm just trying to pop all the bottles, fuck the fits I got 50 pills all up in our money bag She gon' watch how I spend it like, just to get it back Sitting on the field, sneaks through the muddy tracks
bags Breaking in and entering, bitch, we popping tags Keep the fire burning, love us all like candle wax Burning down your money till it ain't nothing to stack We were on the throne, living on our own Hunting my own skin, wanted to break in Lick all my lights, chain dirty sprite. Living my life, I'm a riot. Shorty, she my type. Die for this, I might. Change some freeze outside. Flick all my lights, chain dirty sprite. As I hop out the engine with my wings. Baby, don't stop, wanna give you everything. When we off them rocks, I'ma tell you everything. So on my shoes and all my heart is getting thin Mature butterfly riding through the desert winds I'm a raven bad, I love all the funny things When I come close, close to you I can't sin Heaven knows I'm bad, but Lord, I can't fix a thing Fly too close to the sun, my wings give in I gave you my all, I don't know you a thing Yes, I chose life and this rock made I make Burning down the winter guns, I'm over everything We were on the throne 